Hi, this is Terry Leroy from Leroy Incorporated. You are listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast. The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, welcome to this week's show. My guest this week is Terry Leroy from Leroy Incorporated. We talk about how he got his start as a jewelry manufacturer and where he sees the body piercing industry going. One of my piercers, Evan Quino, was lucky enough to work at Terry's booth at the APP conference this year and said it was a pretty fun experience. Next week, I'm heading to Sao Paulo, Brazil to teach at my first conference there. Should be a pretty interesting time. I'll be joining Jeff Saunders and Luis Garcia, and I plan on getting some interview time in with them. Next week's episode should be my interview with Luis from the APP conference a few weeks ago. Last week was a pretty hectic week and a pretty weird one, too. I was contacted by a production company in New York, and they asked to come and film a reality show at my studio. The primary focus was on scarification, but they also did a few segments on tattooing and piercing. And to my surprise, the coolest part was they actually wanted to do a bunch of segments about sterilization and safety and the training that goes into it. I think most people in our industry don't really care for the reality shows based in tattoo shops because they don't really show the reality of what it's like to work in a body art studio. It kind of makes it seem like, hey, this is so easy, anybody can do it. They kind of cut corners and don't really talk about all the work that goes into it. They just kind of show the final results. The really refreshing part about this show is they wanted to know everything. They wanted to know my training, my background, how many years it took me to get to a point where I was confident in working with clients. Uh, The host came in and and he watched me do a lot of work. He watched me pierce a client. He watched me perform a scarification piece. And then he really had some good questions about, you know, how do you learn these things? Not so that he could learn or so that they could show the viewers how to do it, but just kind of talking about, okay, you need anatomy training. You need sterilization training. You need all these different things that go into the safety parts of it. It was really refreshing to see that kind of respect from a production company. And I'm really excited to see the, the final result for the show. So keep your eyes peeled in the future for a show called Art Attack, featuring a segment on body art with myself. Up next is this week's interview. All right, so uh, I'm here this week with Terry Leroy, uh, the namesake of his company. Some really fantastic jewelry. I, I really like working with your company because anytime I have even like a small suggestion, you guys seem to be keen to just you know up your game anywhere you can. It's always really fun working with you guys. You know, sometimes you get prototypes back within like couple of weeks ah, and it's like oh this yeah. is awesome yeah no, it's, it's well, really thanks working with you. Yeah. and uh, i appreciate it too we yeah. we uh yeah just trying to learn and, and grow yeah so yeah any suggestions i mean like the the uh side set gem bars that we worked on together yeah. that was awesome yeah yeah that was that was yeah. a fun process yeah, yeah yeah it was it's cool to see like the the behind the curtain perspective of it too because mm-hmm. i don't think a lot of piercers fully understand how much work goes into it you know it it's not just the the manufacturing but it's the design process and refining things and then all the finish work that, that that's exactly. put into it. It's, oh, it's yeah, a crazy it's, amount it's a, of work. It's a lot. Yeah. And anybody that manufactures jewelry knows. Yeah. And a lot of the piercers that even play around with, you know, wire bending and stuff in their shop mm-hmm. and make some basics, they they know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why it's expensive. Not the easiest thing, yeah. <laughs> so uh, talk a little bit about the, the history of your company. You know, where did it come from and, and where it's gone? Okay, so... 1995, circa 1995, Mm -hmm. 
I'm a, I'm a musician and I'm a goldsmith. So I'm working at the jewelry store. I have a line of martial arts jewelry. Mm-hmm. I'm playing around different clubs with my band. And then my tattooed and pierced friends were coming to me going, hey, you're the jewelry guy. Yeah. Can you make me this? Can you? And that's how I that's how I got into it. It was just to me, it was just another. Oh, OK, I'm just making another type of jewelry. Mm-hmm. So then word got out, sell to a couple local tattoo shops. They tell their friends, pretty right. soon I have 10 shops I'm supplying. And yeah. this was when the West Coast companies, mm-hmm. and then I'm on the East Coast, so yeah. we had at the time Pleasurable and Rings and Things. Yep. And I'm not sure, where's Fifth Avenue? Is that a West Coast? I can't remember, Fifth but there was a handful of like companies back too, then. But, yeah. but East Coast, anyways, mm-hmm. those two companies, and then us. And I started at the time, basically, uh, in my trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I lived in a trailer park, had a little room, gutted it out, and yeah. I was doing my goldsmithing there, and I also had a, a location at the jewelry store that I worked at. Mm-hmm. So then a year later, bought some property, built a house, built a shop in there, and eventually I had um, 12 people working in the basement of my house, wow, which cool. got a little chaotic. Yeah, I bet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, we all moved out, I got a building, yeah. and we've just been growing ever since. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, did, did you go to any sort of schooling for, for goldsmithing, or was it just kind of like a passion no, project? No, and... I'm from an art family. Okay. Mom, mom is a painter and a sculptor. Yeah. And, uh, so, just and, intuitive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Always was, you know, mom is always being crafty. I mean, I was making little wooden necklaces using animal claws and mm-hmm. things back when I was just a little kid, making yeah. stuff like that. So, I had yeah. it, you know, had it in my blood. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I took a couple of like jewelry making classes just just for fun, just so I could kind of understand a little bit more gem setting and soldering and stuff like that. It, mm-hmm. It's it's all fascinating. It's it's yeah. really really cool. Yeah, and then uh, and then when I I started to get into some metal smithing, I had a couple uh, jewelry one hundred and one videos on VHS, yeah. basic soldering, basic stone setting, and then once you grasp those concepts, mm-hmm. you just expand. Yeah, because the same principles apply to most. You know, most everything. Yeah. So, how did you how did you start to to learn and gain experience with with the machining and all that? Well, um, you know, easily. It, it, the first, the, so the first part of this was okay. So it's goldsmithing, but now we have to attach threading components. Yeah. I didn't know anything about machining. Mm-hmm. I knew that I liked it, but there happened to be some local uh, machine shops around where I live and so I would come in and I'd be like hey guys so I'm thinking about making this thing it's called a librette yeah it does this and this is the type of threading so I had I mean I had to learn from nothing yeah and they just told me okay you get the taps here Mm -hmm. this is the type of drill you use this is the size and uh, trial and error. Well, and you Way still back, have all your fingers, which is I great. I do. They've been crushed a few times, a couple fractures, yeah. and I got some scars. Yeah. Uh, I still can see. I have yeah. wear my safety glasses. Yeah, smart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it. Cool. Just learn as you go. I, I don't know. You know, maybe I'm I'm wrong with, with as far as business runs go, but from from my perspective of it, you know, gold it was always out there as, as an option, but it it never really took off as much as in the last like maybe five years or so, where it's just mm-hmm. exploded and mm-hmm. it's like everybody it loves gold, you know, and yeah, yeah. everybody's expanding their lines, and you know, you come to a, a, an event like this, the APP conference, mm-hmm. and it's like. Mm-hmm. Half of the piercers here are, you know, their their faces probably cost more than someone's car. <laughs> you know, it's true. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's kind of you know coming back around. You know, where you started out with with goldsmithing, and now goldsmithing is probably again like a huge portion of, of it your is. Business. It's yeah. probably sixty, maybe seventy percent of what we do. Wow, gold. Yeah, yeah. cool. And uh, and that's a great trend. Yeah. and I love working with precious metals, and mm-hmm. any metalsmith will attest to that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and steel is, you know, what's cool about, um, and, you know, we might get into this topic, but the properties of the stainless mm -hmm. are very similar to the, the gold. Yeah, because... So we can laser weld those things together yeah, and manipulate yeah. even solder and yeah. different types of things like that, which mm -hmm. we don't really do much anymore. Yeah. But we can fuse those metals together. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's cool. I was always yeah. interested in that because, you know, when I when I learned that you can't do that with titanium, but you can mm -hmm. with, with steel, you know, it just mm -hmm. got me really interested in, in metallurgy and, and all these different things that are available with it. And I really like that the look of like mixed materials and, and yeah, hybrid and look. Yeah. We've been doing that for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, early on, we didn't have the capabilities of doing, uh, you know, fancy prong set machine type stuff out of stainless mm -hmm. or titanium. So we would say, okay, let's take a precious metal setting yeah. and attach it to a stainless post. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing that with nostril screws yep. and naval jewelry for years. Yeah, and I remember, uh, you know your heart style the steampunk heart yeah i remember a lot of times you had like you know mixed materials in that too and that was one yeah. of the first times i had ever seen anybody mix you know steel and, and white gold and yellow rose gold, gold, and rose gold yeah. like all kind yeah. of together in one piece and it just it yeah. gives a really steampunk. cool look yeah yeah, yeah and that's neat. pretty cool too the steampunk aesthetic that is a that's something where we just posted a steampunk not that long on instagram and i yeah. got like 6700 wow. likes in two days yeah yeah, yeah, it's a unique piece. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. not a lot of people that are doing that kind of like uh, industrial kind of feel to it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't mm -hmm. think a lot of people have have caught on with that. You know, maybe that'll come back around too. You know, like trends and when that becomes trends. like hip and retro or yep, something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, what have been like some of your your favorite trends that you've seen over you know the the twenty plus years that that your company's been in business? Well, my favorite trend recently is just these gold ends, mm -hmm. threaded, threadless. Yep. Because it's infinite. Yeah. You know, you can just keep coming up with little beaded ends mm -hmm. and multi-stones and flat, you know, shapes like triangles and squares yep. and moons. And then you can weld little bezels on them. Mm -hmm. And I think that doth jewelry and those little gold ends, mm -hmm. that's that's a big trend. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that's going anywhere except up. Yeah, well, you see, the, the funny thing is with trends is is they felt almost disposable for a little while, you know. Right. There was the triple forward helix craze, which, you know, you still see them occasionally, but mm -hmm. it's not as rabid as it was mm -hmm. when, at, at mm -hmm. its peak, you know. But, you know, doth piercings and, like, nipple piercings, nostril piercings, all that stuff, it's like, you know, you get this, this one wave where you think it, it's just getting ready to teeter out, and then you get this whole other, you know, because it's it, it goes around on the internet, you know, and it, it, the, well, it's like a tide. The, that's the key to yeah. the social media is yeah. what's really driving It goes out and comes back in, and then, you know, I, I, I've never done more doth piercings in my yeah. career than I have over, like, the last six months. I know, just, now hashtag doth mine grain. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, you know, I, I get that it's not a lot of science to it, but just that it gets people interested in it. It does. So when you, when it they really come does. in and you have that conversation where it's like, well, you know, to be truthful, you know, it's probably not going to do anything for your, your medical condition, but, but it's gonna look we've cool. got awesome oh, jewelry. I uh, yeah, I can add it out. Sorry, don't worry about that. <laughs> Sorry. But you got all this, these options for yeah. amazing jewelry, and yeah. it's like, you know, whether I agree with their original intent or not, like mm -hmm. the, the end result is like you get to do some amazing piercings with amazing jewelry combinations that make people really happy. Yeah. This. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It is awesome. So, where, so where do you think you see things going in maybe the next couple of years? Well, we certainly, I don't think that we'll ever see precious metals be less popular. Yeah. So that's just going to keep going. And then it's, it's really, you know, I mean, maybe there'll be 
I mean, will there be anything different than threaded or threadless? I don't know. Hinged? I mean, you never know. I, I mean, don't you know. never know. Yeah, Somebody, I mean, a couple of years ago, people in this industry, some so. people might not have even been thinking about threadless jewelry. You know, it's so maybe true. five true. years from now we'll be talking about like magnetic end pieces. Who knows? I know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Something crazy. Um, but yeah, as far as us, we're just trying to uh, just expand the designs. I mm -hmm. mean, we've been we try really hard to keep shops in their bread and butter. Yeah, that's one of the decisions I made a while back. I was like, you know what? Well, you know, these shops are businesses mm -hmm. that need to make a profit and yeah. need to pay their bills. Mm -hmm. So what do they need? Yeah. And that's what we try to focus on. But as that has kind of leveled out and we've been able to, to keep that working, now it's like, okay, now let's introduce a, this little fancy thing. And right. now let's not overdo it. Mm -hmm. Let's do it slow and methodical. Yeah. But it's busy, mm. you know. Where do you feel like you have a bottleneck anywhere? Like, what's what's your most challenging aspect? Is it machining? Is it casting or gem setting or polishing? Well, I'm gonna say, right, my I mean, right off the top of my head, it's polishing. Yeah. And anybody that polishes jewelry to a mirror finish mm -hmm. realizes that in some cases it takes longer to polish the jewelry than it does to make the jewelry. Wow. Yeah. CNC machines spitting out parts, bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, polisher guy. Right. And he's sitting there. I mean, yeah. you can take, you know, 15 minutes to polish a piece, wow. depending on what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of labor that goes into these things. Yeah. 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 So with, with your production, do you try to, like, do you, do you make components in bulk or do you make like an order start to finish? Like, how do you, how do you handle your like supply chain? It's a mishmash okay. of both. Yeah. Um, I have two facilities. One is my, my actual factory location. And then I have all my casting because I told you earlier that I had my shop, my, my little factory in my house yeah. way back when. Well, I never got rid of that shop. Mm -hmm. So I have three kilns. I have all my casting equipment. Cool. I have jewelers benches down there. Yeah. And I'm the guy that casts everything. Mm -hmm. So I go into the shop in the morning. They give me all the wax trees that they build. Yeah. I bring them back home. I throw them in the kilns. I get up the next morning, I cast them, I bring the raw castings to those guys. They clip them off, finish them, set stones, do what they do. And then I also manage whatever else I manage throughout the day. Yeah. Just helping goldsmiths, teaching them how to do, you know, whatever, a new yeah. design. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Keep them busy. Yeah, real busy. <laughs> so when you have a new design, is it something where you're you're hand carving a wax or are you like 3D printing a wax? Okay, so for years, up until last year, it's always been me. So I draw it on a piece of paper mm -hmm. or a napkin or I talk to somebody like you and you say, hey, it'd be cool if you do a little sketch. That's yeah. how it starts. Yeah. And I would hand carve all those pieces that you saw, that whole King of Hearts line, even some of those uh, simple things like flowers. Yeah. One millimeter seven stone flower. Mm -hmm. I carved that by hand, literally wow. by hand. But now we got 3D. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to see some really cool designs mm -hmm. coming out from us because you can just do more and it's easier. Yeah. Cool. Send that send that design over the 3D printer. Yeah, gives me a mold or model. Then I can make a mold of the model. Awesome. Yeah. So what's the what's the reaction been like here at uh, at conference for you? Like what do, what are your some of the biggest stuff that's that's moving for you? Uh, so this year, clusters are super popular. Yeah. Clusters, gold ends. Mm -hmm. I've got a new line of clusters that have beading, it's like yeah. granulation. Mm -hmm titanium little beads all over yep. it really dresses them up those are popular and then annealed titanium rings yeah people are going bonkers over it 
18 to 20 gauge 18 16 and 14 gauge mm -hmm. super annealed titanium yep. rings yeah so we can do titanium uh, seam rings mm -hmm. titanium fixed bead rings yep. titanium fixed bezel rings yep. and you can just bend them by hand bend them as easy as easy as stainless yes wow okay so those have been the big uh, focal points this year and then with the uh with the clusters where you add it on the beading so you're using a, a laser welder exactly that, right yeah, yeah i've never i've never actually been able to to see a laser welder in action before you should you should come up sometime. yeah yeah come up with evan and uh come into the shop yeah and yeah, we've got three you got right three. Now. Yeah, we got three. Wow. And um, I, I wouldn't imagine that those are cheap. They're not cheap. No. They're not cheap. Yeah. So you have like these um, 20 and 30 power microscopes that you look through. So when you see it that magnified, it's not tiny. Yeah. But the laser beam goes as small as one tenth of one millimeter. Okay. So we can weld tiny, tiny microscopic welds. Yeah. And you can't even, I mean, you can't see where it's welded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when it when it welds, does it weld at like a molecular level? Like there's there's no like melted material that kind of liquefies and bubbles no. up like you don't see a seam like i don't notice a seam when, when no, something's you know, laser i mean welded. i guess i don't have all the technical answers for that but so the tank is flooded with argon mm -hmm. so that it keeps uh, keeps it from oxidizing so it stays shiny while okay. you're welding it okay it's bright and shiny yeah but it just fuses those pieces together neat and I mean, they are jewelry pieces, so I imagine. I mean, you could put some serious pressure yeah. and break them. Snap but, something like, off. Who's going to do that to yeah. a piece of but jewelry? But you could do that on something casting. Yeah, exactly. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's it's really cool, and it it really opens up the manufacturing mm. because before, if you're trying to solder things together, you have issues with pickling because you've got oxidation. Right. You got to watch certain stones. Okay, yeah. I got to take the stones out. I got to think about doing this a different way. But mm -hmm. now it's like, oh, let's just laser weld it. Are there any kinds of stones that are like more challenging for you to, to set in or do they, they uh, all kind of the same? I know some people well, feel a little bit like different different opinions on like natural opals. Do you use natural opals? We do. do. Just, we do. Yeah, we use yeah. genuine gemstones. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think my most problematic stone really, and it's not a stone, it's just, it's a pearl. Mm. Those things are so fragile. Yeah, because you, you can just shatter yeah, it. Really. Yeah, yeah, you can shatter them. Yeah. And, you know, if you if they go in the ultrasonic, they can just disintegrate. Really? So, wow. yeah. <laughs> but you just got to be careful. Yeah. I mean, opals tend to be softer than uh, opals and emeralds. Mm -hmm. We don't really have to worry about diamonds, rubies, emeralds. Yeah. Well, emeralds a little more so than sapphires. Mm -hmm. Mo's hardness scale. Yeah. As the number gets lower, it gets softer. Yeah. Yeah. What do you see in a trend as far as like the most popular colors? Is it still just like diamonds and like white opals? That's always the most popular? Or do you feel like any sort of colors are like trending or anything? Yeah, you know. So for years, the the, the same popular, so CZ, you know, number one. Yeah. You've got pink gems, mm -hmm. light blue gems, amethyst yeah. gems. But now that the there's these fancy colors yeah. you've got some fancy purples mm -hmm. some champagne yeah. these browns yeah. those are those are popular those, like, and there's a great there's a great in rose gold too oh yeah. yeah 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 that's another thing too rose gold seemed to almost kind of come out of nowhere you know Isn't for, great? for yeah well, I, I love, love it. copper anyway yeah. so rose gold is yeah. i remember one time I, I used to work on hot topic back when i was a teenager okay. you know yeah, yeah. uh and I, this this friend of mine um allison she was a, a body piercer from the massachusetts area i had never met her before she was just shopping in the store and I had never seen anyone with, with rose gold jewelry before. And I was like, oh my God, your jewelry is like hmm. like this pink copper tone. Like, what is that? And she's yeah. like, oh, it's it's gold. It's rose gold. And, um, you know, for years, nobody was really using it in, in body jewelry. Some people were, definitely. But mm -hmm. uh, it seems like it really just caught fire the last couple of years where like the majority of what I sell for gold, it's mm -hmm. rose gold number one 
white gold is you know a close second, and then yellow gold is actually a distant third. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now rose gold. I mean, yeah. And I agree with the popularity because I love it. Yeah. I could never get enough of it. Because yeah, it's got copper. that like a warm color yeah, to it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, they just up the level of copper and mm-hmm. the alloy and. There it is, rose. Yeah. Except you notice, you probably noticed that in 18 karat, it tends to be more pink yeah. than red. Yeah, I know there. There's sometimes you know there, you know you have to control the alloy when you're working with the body. You know mm-hmm. you don't want things like cadmium and nickel exactly. and, and, and things like that. It yep. seemed like uh, you know rose gold. Everybody was kind of like worried about cadmium for a while, but I feel like cadmium was more just for a solder, right? Exactly. It's, it's for like the yeah, point. in fact, that's a common question. So when we order solder from our suppliers, the first thing they ask is that cad-free, and mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, why would I want cadmium? Is mm-hmm. there any advantage manufacturing-wise? And yeah. their answer's always been no. I'm like, well, why do you even offer it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, everything's cad-free. Yeah. Actually, Brian Skelly would probably know the answer to that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Brian Skelly knows the answer to everything. If I ever have any sort of questions on anything material-wise, yeah. I don't even bother asking anybody else. It's just, just ask him. Shoot Brian a message. And, uh, you know, he lives in France, but for some reason he's he's online 24-7. No you can send him a message anytime, day or night, and you'll get, it'll be like, boom, scene. And then within like two more minutes, it'll be like, boom. He never and It'll sleeps. be like these six paragraphs <laughs> of all this. Well, you should check out this. And it's like, oh, my God, yeah, you're yeah. like a human encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> could talk about jewelry all day long it's a great show this year yeah every year for us has Mm -hmm. been progressively better than the last one first time we came to app was 2001 Mm -hmm. and then i didn't come back again until 2006 when i had my shop uh, which was an app shop in new york city remember that i had that for seven years and uh and we've been here ever since great well, I appreciate your support for the organization, and I'm sure everybody else here does, too. Well, thank you, and I appreciate everything. Well, it was nice talking to you, Terry. Thank Thanks. you, Ryan. Uh, so right, where can care. people uh, like find your jewelry online if they want to check it out on like I'm, maybe social media? or Well, just Instagram. Instagram. I've kind of abandoned Facebook at this point. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll come back, but I live on Instagram. Cool. That's where we spend most of our time. Cool. And... Uh, that's where the best pictures are. Yeah. All the reposts. Is it Leroy Fine Jewelry? It's Leroy Fine Jewelry. Leroy Fine Jewelry. It could jewelry be under Instagram. Leroy Fine Body Jewelry. You'll still find it. Okay. But the, yeah, the actual t- uh, name is Leroy Fine Jewelry. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can always uh, find it in uh, top quality body piercing shops, mine included. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you. That was fun having the chance to talk to Terry. I don't think a lot of people give jewelry manufacturers their proper credit. Most of the body piercing we see represented online is from body piercers showing off the piercings that they've done, the jewelry they've installed. But not a lot of people stop and think about the companies who are making this jewelry, the artisans, the craftspeople who actually make the jewelry that we're using every day. You have people manning the phones, making the jewelry, designing new pieces for our clients, and they they really deserve a lot of the credit for the success of our industry. In future episodes, I'd really like to sit down with some more manufacturers and talk about their perspective. Up next is a short conversation that I overheard while I was walking around at the APP conference. I just kind of stumbled across them having this chat, asked if I could turn on my recorder and kind of get their opinions. We have William Spencer from Trix Tattoos in St. Louis and Courtney Jane Maxwell from St. Sabrina's in Minneapolis, who actually used to work for William at Trix. They were kind of talking about swearing and if it has its place in a professional industry. Hi, my name is William Spencer. I'm the owner of Trix Tattoos in St. Louis, Missouri. And we were talking about swearing. And not swearing, mostly. Yeah. So Trying not to. Yeah. yeah. So what were you saying? Well, so yeah, well, I try to enforce a please don't swear so much if possible at work. And I've been learning to watch my language quite a bit the last five years or so. And I noticed fairly recently that an instructor of mine uh, in an improv class was swearing a lot to the point where it was actually 
distracting from what she was trying to say and the point she was trying to get across. And I didn't really think I was too sure about what the problem was. And it wasn't until I missed a class and I had to do a makeup class with a different instructor that I realized the second instructor didn't swear at all and the class was actually much better. And so it was just another moment where I realized it's probably better to not do it as much. I, I feel like it, it kind of takes away from the professionalism a little bit. There's definitely a place for it when yeah. you have that kind of personal connection or sure. chemistry with someone. But if you just say it to the average customer, you're, you're going to seem like less professional to them because, you know, it's just not really what you want to introduce into a conversation with someone. It's, to me, it's a little bit like having a drink or two with dinner versus being trashed. Drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Being yeah. drunk. And yeah. I, people do both of those things and that's okay. But there's a time and a place. Yeah. You can slip up every now and then. But if like every other word is like F this or, you know, different things like that. Yeah. It does kind of take away from the professionalism of a conversation. What are your thoughts on this, Courtney? Well, I mean, I think it makes a point, like how he was talking about his instructor, that it, it becomes really awkward filler in a lot of ways. And so it kind of breaks up a conversation at a point you're getting into in a way that's not necessarily, you know, going to be very helpful for most people. So, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely the issue of, of professionalism, but also I think it ends up kind of limiting your vocabulary uh, to a degree because you, you fill in, you know, all the F-bombs. You just kind of throw it in there when you don't have the other word that you want. So, so yeah, I think it just kind of gets people speaking a little more sloppily almost so so your speech your speech skills and your speech quality kind of goes down a little bit so even if you're with your friends and you're just kind of going to town like who cares what you say in front of them i, I feel like the quality of your words goes down a little bit over time it's kind of gradual it can take away from the weight of what you're saying too sure. yeah absolutely yeah yeah definitely just you know you stop using words that are a little bit more precise and you know start replacing them with something sloppy i i also think that it takes away from the power of those words when you do want to use them yeah so if you use them all the time, then when you're actually really upset, no one's going to care. So it's probably a wolf situation, I think. So, yeah, it's my thoughts on cursing. Not a big, huge fan. Okay, so go fudge yourself. So what that segment taught me, other than the swearing aspect, is that I need a better portable audio recorder. I had gotten one off of Amazon just to throw in my pocket, and as you can hear, it doesn't really give me the best sound quality. So I upgraded. I got a Zoom H1. I'm going to try to break that in a little bit while I'm in Brazil, see how that works. Hopefully I should be able to capture all those interesting little conversations you just stumble across in a little bit better quality for you. Some of the best conversations you have with piercers are those unexpected encounters you have over lunch or just kind of meeting up in a hallway or just kind of talking in between classes. And it's really important to capture those. Up next, I'm going to do a few questions from the mailbag. Okay, this message says, how can you tell if something is metal irritation versus just a fresh piercing? I had my nostril pierced two weeks ago with a titanium labret and rose gold top. The area around the disc has been red, itchy, and irritated. How can I tell if I'm allergic to rose gold? I know titanium's fine on me. Is it worth changing just in case? I don't usually start by thinking it's a metal allergy if you're already wearing something pretty decent. It is possible to be allergic to titanium it is possible to be allergic to gold. Uh, keep in mind that these are not pure elements, they're alloys, so they mix other things into it. Certain grades of titanium contain aluminum. Most reputable companies aren't using nickel or other irritating materials in their alloys, but keep in mind that rose gold is that color because of the copper content. So it is possible that you have an allergy to copper. So uh, one easy solution is you can just change the top, leave your titanium post in place, and then maybe try a titanium end piece, or maybe try a different color of gold, yellow gold, or palladium whitened white gold. See if there's an improvement there. My first instinct, honestly, with an irritated piercing is thinking about aftercare. Uh, with facial piercings, I see it really commonly coming from soap, makeup, facial wash, things like that. 
So if those kinds of chemicals are coming in contact with the piercing, even if you are wearing the best jewelry possible for you, you might still be having a skin irritation. So you can think about jewelry, but I would try to eliminate all the other possibilities first. This next question says, when choosing a piercer for my nipples, which are fairly soft and flat, how can I know if the person is skilled enough to do it correctly? I don't want to have healing issues in a sensitive spot. Nipple piercings, I wouldn't consider a specialty piercing, but you do need the proper amount of experience to handle the anatomic variations. A nipple that's kind of raised up above the surface, that's easy to grab, essentially, is pretty easy to pierce for piercers of most skill levels. When it comes to flatter nipples or even inverted nipples, that's when you really want to take the time to make sure that your body piercer has the proper experience level. One of the most common problems I see with nipple piercings is that if a body piercer is using forceps on a nipple that's not really appropriate for that, they tend to bunch up an additional width of skin to make up for the lack of depth that they're, that they're able to pierce. So you can see some very long but very shallow piercings. You can uh, tend to get scar tissue on the openings. Uh, some people kind of refer to it as that triple nipple look, where the nipple isn't really sufficient enough to brace the piercing, so the body tends to generate scar tissue to kind of hold that jewelry there, essentially. So when it comes to a, a, a flat nipple, uh, ideally, you would want someone skilled with a, a freehand piercing technique. They're not necessarily going to be piercing in kind of a, a V shape, but they are going to be piercing kind of downward and then back upward to kind of lift that nipple up into the path of the needle and be held there by the jewelry, rather than just kind of skimming along the top and then just allowing the body to build up scar tissue to brace the jewelry. I would say start with the portfolios. Ask to see pictures of not only new piercings, but ideally heel piercings if possible. Take the time to, to go online and look at any review websites. Sometimes that can be a double-edged sword where people are giving one-star reviews because they had to wait five minutes, but sometimes you can actually get really good reviews that say, oh, I had this problem, this piercer was really great, they helped me out with this issue, I was really happy with my results, things like that. Go in, talk to the piercer, have them look at your anatomy, get their opinion. If they give you like ums and ahs and say like, oh, I guess that's fine, or if they can't really give you specifics, maybe take some time and, and go and get a second opinion if possible. Um, it, someone should be able to just kind of command the room and be able to reassure you with their confidence. Yes, you do have a smaller nipple, but this is what I'm gonna do to counteract that. This is my technique. This is the experience I've had with it. This is what you should expect during the healing process. And if you feel confident in a situation like that, chances are you found a decent piercer. And last, I have a question that's similar to one I get pretty often. It says, so three days ago, I got my septum pierced at a reputable piercer and I'm feeling very tender and have pain when I scrunch up my nose and smile. Is this normal? Also, getting the crust off the piercing is very difficult. Any tips? Yes, uh, first, first tip, if, uh, if a new piercing hurts when you do something, just don't do that. Septum piercings are going to be tender. You have soft tissue at the bottom of the septum and above that you have uh, more dense tissue. You have cartilage there. So uh, naturally when you put a sharp piece of metal through the area and, and install some body jewelry, when you scrunch or make faces that's going to push that jewelry up against maybe that, uh, that more dense cartilage, it is going to be a little sore. Uh, that's totally natural with a septum piercing, nothing to be alarmed about. But, you know, really when people say things like, you know, my piercing hurts when I touch it 
or when I bump it or when I when I you know make this certain face I basically just say like well just just maybe don't do that it's the same thing when you get a bruise like you know oh this bruise hurts when I push at it well you know just don't push on it when it comes to the the crust on a piercing you, you really don't need to be very aggressive about that I think that's one mistake that that some people make is that they have to completely remove every tiny little speck of debris that they might have on a new piercing keep in mind that that's just part of the healing process so the same kind of idea that you don't pick at a scab when you get a cut or a scratch you really don't want to be too aggressive about forcing off all that dried buildup with a new piercing some of it is actually beneficial some of it is really just there to help the the piercing heal and if you're a little too aggressive about removing it you can be kind of setting yourself back for the healing process so what I usually tell people is you can take you know maybe a, a wet piece of gauze or a wet q-tip with maybe your saline solution or maybe even just water and you can very lightly wipe at that crusty buildup if it doesn't come off with a gentle wipe just leave it there if you have to be rough or, or pick or forceful with it you're, you're you're going a little bit too hard with it one other tip is you can just hop in the shower and put your shower head on a very strong setting and just let the water kind of blast it off of there you know that that can also be very gentle but but very effective you know in short don't overdo it with your aftercare keep in mind that it is a healing process so you need to be patient during that process so if you have any questions for me feel free to email at piercingwizard at gmail.com and I'll try to get to it on a future episode and thanks for listening for more information about the show visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like piercingwizardpodcast on Facebook for more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.